The following sermon was preached at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas, April 30th, 2017. So, this is Psalm 37. It's uh, a psalm of David. Uh, It's uh, an interesting psalm. We'll go through it over actually the next three weeks, but it's one that ponders some questions. And one of the main questions that it ponders is, how come bad people are allowed to become rich? Now, it's not saying that the rich are wicked. It's asking why the wicked are allowed to be blessed with prosperity and wealth. And David answers this question Um, I I think he answers it in several ways, but one of the ways uh, towards the end, he answers in a way by telling us what Heinz Ketchup has been telling us for years. Roll the beautiful bean footage. Unless you don't add a what? No thanks. I got it covered. Heinz ketchup. It's so rich, so thick. Why waste time with anything else? Heinz, the best things come to those who wait. Okay. So yes, the best things come to those. But kids, that's how we ate ketchup in the 80s. Um, who recognized Joey from Friends? Yeah. You forgot he was the one in that commercial, right? Um, But it's true. Good things come to those who wait. Uh, I don't know if Heinz got that from Psalm 37, but it's definitely in there. Um, David says in, in, I think it's verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. The psalmist tells us that the riches of the wicked will wither like grass. Good things come to those who wait. It it's doesn't make any sense for us to uh, spend our time envying the prosperity of the wicked. Their prosperity, see, is very short-lived. Those who make God their heart's desire will be fully satisfied in him. Now, without getting totally Hebrew on you here. Um, I, I, wanna, I, I want us to look at, at the original Hebrew for a moment, but that phrase that says delight in the Lord, delight in the Lord. See, the, the Hebrew sentence or uh, paragraph really, the way it's structured suggests that that phrase delight in the Lord isn't something that we're being asked to do. We don't just say hey, you need to delight in the Lord. That's not what David is saying here. It's not a directive to delight in the Lord. Instead, it's really written in a way that suggests delight is the result of trust in the Lord. Okay? So it's the the result. It's more of a result type uh, delight. It's not something we actively do. It's something that, that happens as a result. Scripture says, the psalm says, trust in the Lord, and and this is the English version, by the way, Um, trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. 
take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That sounds good. But in reality, what's, what's happening here, uh, for those of you that are into logic and proofs and things like that, what we've got here is more of an if-then type statement. Uh, if we trust in the Lord and do good, then we will delight in the Lord. We will receive the desires of our hearts. See, delight is not something that we actively do. It's the result of trust which we do actively do. The next phrase uh, in Psalm 37 is, is a beautiful phrase, too. I think it loses a little bit of something in English, so I want to I translate it, what I think is maybe a better uh, translation, and help you see what, what some of the beauty is uh, with this next phrase. Because Psalms are poetry. Um, and they're beautiful as translated into English, but there's a, a, a true poetic quality to the psalms when you when you hear them and understand them in Hebrew. Uh, when I was in seminary taking a course in Hebrew, uh, I, was, I remember complaining to my dad how difficult uh, the Hebrew language was. See, I took, I took Greek, and I thought Greek was really hard. And then I took Hebrew and realized Greek wasn't so bad after all. Um, but, but I took Hebrew, and I remember complaining to my dad about how difficult it was. And, and my dad said to me, why do you need to learn Hebrew? Doesn't your church have English Bibles? Well, it does. That may, that may be true, and there's a valid question. But I think sometimes there's a, a poetic or, or deeper quality to the scriptures that's, that's sometimes lost in our English translations. In English, we read in verse 5 of this psalm, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. And that's good. That's nice. Commit your way to the Lord. But in Hebrew... We actually read, roll your journey upon the Lord. Roll your journey upon the Lord. I think that that, that, that says something maybe a little bit deeper, maybe a little bit uh, with, with, with more flair, certainly to roll your journey upon the Lord. It just brings to mind, uh, for me, this greater union with God, a fuller, a deeper relationship. It brings us back also uh, in the next phrase, in the next uh, few words, it brings us back also to this trust that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Roll your journey upon the Lord. Trust him, and he will act. Uh, my plan was to preach from Psalm 37 for the next three weeks, and these were to be sermons about giving. And they are to be sermons uh, about tithing and so forth, because I was led a while back uh, to do a brief brief sermon series on tithing. Uh, but this isn't exactly a tithing series so much as it is a giving series. Uh, I mean, tithing means 10%, and I say, why limit ourselves to 10%? Why limit our giving to money? But let me be real honest here. Um, God needs our financial gifts and our deeds done in God's name. Money and giving, those aren't the easiest things in the world uh, to talk about in church. And sometimes when preachers start talking about giving and money and things, people have a tendency to tune out in part, I think. It's an honest reaction, but uh, I think in large part that reaction is, is due to some of the shenanigans 
that occur with, with preachers that solicit money for themselves. You've, you've maybe been to those churches or, or seen them on television and so forth, and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when every single week they're guilting you into giving them money. But here's the thing. It's this money that we're talking about today, that's not my money. It's money that's, that's necessary for this church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And let me tell you, Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church is in one very good position to do so. God has entrusted this very church. We, let me tell you, Christ Fellowship is not only in one of the fastest growing areas in San Antonio. We are in one of the fastest growing areas in the nation. I don't think it's an accident that God has called us to be here at this time. You know, when we, when we go over to the Shanefeld property, and you can see some of the plans that we have over there in the pictures, but you go over to the Shanefeld property where the, where the new building will be built, and you look around and you see nothing but new rooftops. What a glorious thing that God has called us to because... God wants relationships with every single person under those rooftops. God also wants a relationship with every person under a bridge. God wants a relationship with every single person. And we have been called, we have been placed in the midst of an area that people are flooding to. It is a wonderful thing that we have been called to and one that we have to take seriously because God doesn't have you in a church for no reason. God has you in a church, not one that's content to, to, to spend our days and uh, talking about and trying to figure out how we're going to maintain the, uh, the historic steeple on our church. Now, those are, there's nothing wrong with churches that are in that position, but that's not the church that we have been called to be. Christ Fellowship is a church that's been called to action in an up-and-coming area of the nation. We're living smack dab in the mission field. See, for us, Christ, our church is not simply a place for us to come and get fed. Okay? You've heard people say that, right? I'm looking for a church where I can be fed, where I can get fed. What does that mean? Fried chicken and potlucks? I don't know. I, I, I know what, what they mean. I'm not, I'm not that dumb. Um, what they mean is, is they want to come to a place where they can be fed spiritually, and that is good. That is good, but that is not the end of church. That's not the only part of church. They want to come where they can get their spiritual batteries recharged, but that's only part of the equation of church. See, church isn't just this place where we pay our membership fee and receive services of goods, uh, you know, good, good music, decent preaching, um, a fraternity of friends. That's part of it, but that's, that's not the service necessarily that we pay for. See, the church, the body of Christ, our church, is one in which we, uh, one, one in which the, the confirmands are going to stand up here and, and kneel and profess their faith, and, and one is going to be baptized. They're going to join a church 
that requires more than just joining. It requires commitment as well as membership. So where did we hear that term commit again? We spoke about it a little bit earlier. Remember, commit your way to the Lord, the psalm says in the English version. Roll your journey upon the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll your journey upon the Lord. That whole roll your journey upon. Become one with the Lord. In all that you do, do in relationship with God. So what does that have to do then with giving? We go back to trust. We go back to trust, which is mentioned several times in this psalm. We cannot roll our journey upon the Lord unless we trust. Sure, we can do some things for God. We can serve without sacrifice. But but rolling our journey upon God, that's putting everything on the line. That's offering our whole hearts. That's holding nothing back. That's putting nothing else before God. You're not coveting your money or your time. That's not you know, giving to the church whatever it is you have left at the end of the week. That's giving to God first and then learning to live on whatever you have left. When the church has a need, when the church has a need, maybe it's a, maybe it's a financial commitment or maybe it's signing up to do uh, the booth at Cornival, Fridays and Sundays, uh, Friday and Sunday especially, um, or whether it's uh, joining uh, with uh, the brave men and women at Camp Bullis for a Bible study. Uh, the point is, we commit ourselves. We roll our journey upon God to do those things not out of obligation or because we're looking for some sort of reward. We give because of our love for God. And our delight is to be in union with God. There's that word again, delight, the result of our trust. It's like the four stages of love that St. Bernard, not the dog, but the Frenchman, St. Bernard of Clairvaux uh, wrote about about a thousand years or so ago. So there's four stages of love. Loving yourself for your own sake. That's where you just, I love myself because I love myself a lot. Number two is loving God for your own sake. Now that's kind of a, a selfish love as well. It's, it's I love God because God can give me stuff. God can bless me. That's why I love God. The third stage of love is loving God for God's sake. I love God just because I know God. And how can you not love God if you truly know him? The fourth stage of, of, of love that St. Bernard talks about is loving yourself for God's sake. That's right. It's that fourth and final stage, loving yourself, recognizing that everything you do, you do for God. I want to be everything that I possibly can be. And one day, God, who created me, will say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. St. Bernard uh, describes that fourth um, stage of love as being like a drop of water falling into a vat of wine. That water droplet 
becomes inseparable from the wine. The water droplet rolls its journey upon the wine as we roll our journey upon the Lord. See, as we profess our faith, either through confirmation or through uh, uh, joining the church, our commitment isn't to, to structures or governing bodies of the church. Our commitment, see, is to God. Our commitment is to giving not until it hurts, but our commitment is to giving until we have rolled our journey upon the Lord. And then we will delight in the Lord, and the desires of our hearts will be truly fulfilled. God bless you. Join us Sunday mornings at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in Northwest San Antonio. Find us on Facebook and online at cfumcsa.org.